going to do things a, a little different today. Uh, normally we have announcements right now, um, but I feel like we need to skip those and kind of get into the message and then back into worship. Uh, and then we'll have the announcements on the backside uh, for that. Uh, as we were going through the songs this morning, uh, the message that I have this morning um, kind of adapted. We're going to start in the same place. We're still in our series uh, in the book of John. So John chapter 5, uh, we're going to start in there around uh, verse, um, verse 20. So if you want to turn your Bibles there. Uh, but as we were worshiping, um, I just really felt like a, a different direction after the start. Uh, that was confirmed by a few other things, some of the songs that were selected. In fact, uh, the worship team and I didn't necessarily connect on what to sing about, but everything that they were led to do uh, fits uh, very well with this. And, and I would even consider some of the same songs on the backside in response. Um, and then as far as the verses, we're not going to have all of the verses on the computer because uh, so there's some different ones. Um, and also, I, I might ask for your help. Uh, because I, I feel like there's a direction in this, and I didn't have a chance to like look up every single passage, uh, but I don't want to just throw out like, oh, the Bible says this, and then just move on. Um, and so I might ask for your help to, to either Google or if you know the passage or have it memorized uh, to help me out with it in that moment so that we stay anchored in the Word uh, as we go through this. But otherwise, encourage you, uh, have your Bibles as we follow along, your phones, so we can swap out to some of those verses. Uh, some of the verses that I know we're going to get to here are not going to be on the screens um, because they happened uh, during worship. So uh, anyways, Father, we come before you. We pray that you would guide us and lead us as a church as we go into your holy word, uh, that you would speak to us what you have for today. Uh, and we ask that you uh, would flow Holy Spirit through us, that you would equip us um, encourage us and send us out. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're still kind of in the series of the book of John here. Uh, we've been going through this last week. We kind of looked at Jesus' declaration of him being God uh, in the various ways that he said that. Uh, today we're kind of picking up on that backside of that conversation in verse 19. Uh, where Jesus says here, Truly I tell you, the Son's not able to do anything on his own, but only f uh, for what he sees his Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. Uh, and so we talked about that uh, a little bit last week, that, that it, part of his declaration of being God is that he's able to do the same things that God does. Uh, what are some of these uh, miracles that Jesus has done in his life, uh, in his ministry? Any, any thoughts on that? He raised the dead. Thank you. What was that? Healing. Yeah, so healing of the blind, healing of death. Um, those who are paralytics. Anybody else? Casting out demons. That's a good one. Um, I was watching The, uh, the Chosen, and, and there's a, an episode in there, if you haven't seen it yet, um, where he casts out a demon, and John the Baptist is like stunned for a second, and then he's like, yeah! Um, I love that part. Um, just that power uh, over wickedness and evil. Um, loaves and fishes. Like there's so many things that he did, right? And he says that he's doing them because he's seen the Father do them. He's, he's operating within this power of, of God. And so he does these things. But then he continues on in verse 20. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he is doing and will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. 
Now, greater works than these. So the only thing the Pharisees, the Jews, knew at this point were, were these sign miracles that he was doing. The, the raising of the dead, the healing of those who were paralyzed. And yet he's saying in this moment there's going to be something greater than these miracles. And they were astounded by these things. So what was this something greater? Well, all of these miracles were just temporary. If people received their sight back, they died later. If they were able to then hear or be able to walk, or even if they were raised from the dead, they would die again later. Like, like here's Lazarus in the tomb. Jesus calls to him, come on out. And we don't know how long after that, but Lazarus dies again. So he went through it twice. Um, most of us only go through it once. Um, but here we have these amazing things, but yet they're just temporary. And so what Jesus is saying is, is that the greater thing is something that's actually going to be eternal. He continues on in verse 21. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom He wants. So He's talking here a little bit, but it's not talking about the type of resurrection with Lazarus. We'll get into it. Just as the Father raises the dead, gives them life, the Son gives to who He wants. In fact, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. That's where it's talking about something different than Lazarus. He's talking about the gift of eternal life without death. And they will not come under judgment, but have passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, meaning Jesus Christ, and those who hear will live. Now, now this word here uh, within the Greek uh, is the Greek word uh, akuo, which means to receive, to pay attention to, to, to obey. So it's not just simply like audibly hearing the gospel, audibly hearing the hope of Jesus Christ for salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. It's not just hearing it, but it's a, a choosing to, to listen, to obey, to pursue, to, to pay attention to it, to hold on to it. So those who hear will have this eternal life. Verse 26, just as the Father has life in Himself, so also is He granted to the Son to have life in Himself. So Jesus is pointing here to the very core of the Gospel. It is life. It's life everlasting, the forgiveness of sins. It's the restoration of sinful humankind with their Creator. He's talking about salvation. And that aspect of salvation, our sins being forgiven, is far greater than any earthly temporary miracle where the paralyzed can then walk again or, or dead raised to life only to die again. But it's the salvation of our souls. It's the, the cleansing of our souls from sin. Freedom from death. And an adoption into the kingdom in heaven. 
Jesus is saying the hour is now here because he is there walking on earth. Uh, in fact, this is part of the fulfillment of what John began in his book as he wrote in chapter 1 of the book of John. The beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him was not one thing that was created had been created. Uh, and so in other words, here's Jesus as God again. But then he says in verse 4, in Him, or in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was created through Him. Uh, and the world didn't recognize Him. Came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who did hear that chose to follow, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Not just survivors, not just forgiven. Not just a clean slate, but he says, gave them the right to be children of of God, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Now we looked at this a number of weeks ago in the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus in chapter 3. That whole idea of being born again, being born into the family of God. And so if we found ourselves in salvation through the repentance of our sins and, and that rebirth, that born again, we're now the adopted children of God who have gone from death into life and, and now have our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. He came as the light of the world to give us salvation, and to give us a, a life that is anchored outside of this world. That's anchored in Him. Because He is the life, and He is the light of men. In that, He gives us a, a purpose to reveal Him, to point to Him, and to follow Him. The church has a purpose within this world as we go into this spiritual life. A purpose to spread that light so that others might see it and escape out of darkness. To escape from death the way that we escape from death. Now, one of the verses that has been on my heart this week, I was having a conversation with somebody about it uh, on Tuesday, and it's the one that kind of popped into my head this morning during uh, worship. is in Matthew chapter 16. And so if you want to turn there, uh, either on your device or your Bible, uh, Matthew 16, uh, and we're going to go into uh, verse 18 here. Kind of the context of this is Jesus is having a conversation with some of his disciples. Peter's there, uh, and he's asking them, well, who do you think that I am? And Peter's response within this context is saying, uh, you are the Messiah. You are the one who came to redeem us. You're the one that came uh, to rescue us. You are the promised Messiah. Uh, and Jesus says, um, great that you understand that. Realize it's the Spirit that revealed it to you. Um, but then he says in verse 18, I tell you that you're Peter. And on this rock, or, or that confession of Jesus Christ being the Messiah, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
So again, this, this idea of the church being built, again, the church is not an organization, but rather the gathered people of God living together intentionally to equip one another uh, to do works of ministry, to build one another up. In Ephesians 4, it says, uh, to the full maturity of Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Us gathering here is part of the eternal plan of God. But what it says here in this passage, in verse 18, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now when you look at this passage, it means different things depending on how you understand some of these words. How do you understand what hell is? And then this idea of prevail against it. The word against is not in the original language whatsoever. And and so more literally what this passage is saying is that the gates of hell will not prevail. Now it comes down to what is your concept of hell? What does it mean? Or what does it mean in this passage? And I think that can shape how we view this a lot. One idea of hell uh, is it being a place uh, where Satan rules from. You know, you got that idea of like flames and here's this red guy in a red suit with little horns and a pitchfork. You know, or you watch movies like Constantine or something else and, and here's this idea of this place of eternal torment where, where Satan is ruler and then he's got all of his uh, demons like sitting there and, and torturing people and enjoying it. And it's a really like scary view. But it's inaccurate. It's not true. What is hell? Hell is the place that God has created. It is the prison for all of eternity that God himself has created to put Satan and the demons and those who follow them for all of eternity. It's not their playground. It's not their place of power. It is the place of their torment and their punishment for rebelling against God. There is no place uh, where they have that rule in this fiery... That idea of hell is just completely wrong. And so within this passage, when it's talking about hell, the Greek word here that it's using uh, is Hades, which was used for the grave. It's not saying in this passage that that here is this kingdom of Satan that is fire and he's got his army and they're coming against the kingdom of God and it won't prevail as it fights. Instead, what this passage is saying is that the gates of Hades or the gates of death have no hold on the church because the church is made of People who are now alive and born again in Christ. This idea of of the gates of hell or the gates of the grave is something throughout the Old Testament. It's this place of bondage, of, of being stuck somewhere. But the idea of Jesus Christ coming to give us life and give life to that breaks those chains of death and sets us free into eternal life. Now where in eternal life, we'll get to that in a few minutes here. But this idea is that the church transcends death. And that the idea 
of hell being the ruler and kingdom of Satan is utterly false. Now as I say that, I do not mean to say that Satan and the demons have no power. I'm just saying they don't have their own little realm. They have power and they seek to kill, steal, and destroy. But where do they do that? Here on earth. This is where they look to steal, kill, and destroy and mess with people. The idea of trying to prevail in this war against the kingdom of heaven is utterly false and something that they created themselves in order for us to grant them a greater idea of false power. The reality is uh, is that Satan is truly more like the first suicide bomber. The idea of like, I'm going to die anyways, and so I'm just going to go and see how many people I can take out with me. That's his attitude in this right now. Here's this prison for all of eternity, and I can't get away from it. There is a marked time of judgment, and he knows that his time is short, Scripture tells us. And so what he's really trying to do is to say, how many people can I take with me? And his greatest weapon in doing that is simply lies and deceit. Because the truth is, Jesus came to set us free. That we don't have to have the strength in order to resist the devil. We just need to say Jesus is our Lord and submit our whole lives to it. And then Jesus does all the work for us. In fact, the very first prophecy within Scripture is talking about Jesus being bit in the heel by the serpent, meaning Satan, and talking about the crucifixion. But then in that, he would crush the head of the snake. It's done. What was Jesus, some of his last words on the cross? Anybody? It is finished. That is the truth of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It is finished. And it is life. The whole reason He came to earth was to reveal that truth. That's why He's called the light. And that if we can see that light, we have life. Because we recognize the only way to salvation is Jesus Christ is submitting to Him, is following Him. And then as we do that, we're adopted into His kingdom as sons or daughters. We're now part of a heavenly court. Ephesians 2 says we're currently seated with Him in heavenly realms, even though we're here in these wooden chairs. When you step back and look at it from that perspective, that if we are saved in Christ, we are currently seated with Him in heavenly realms as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ with a royal inheritance for all of eternity, and we're here living on earth at the same time as a suicide bomber is trying to take out as many people as he spiritually can before the end. But he has no power over us. Death has no power over us because of what Jesus has accomplished at the cross. This is why we're called to share the light. 
We're called to point to Jesus Christ. We're called to point to the fact that, that as we live in this world and it's filled with chaos and evil, it's the result of a spiritual suicide bomber trying to take as many people and to take away as much hope as possible. But the truth is, that doesn't affect us. Now, we may not believe that truth sometimes. And so then we choose to, to believe the power that Satan wants us to believe that he has. We will choose to believe the power that Satan wants us to feel temptation has over us. And then we struggle to live according to the truth that we're seated in heavenly realms with Jesus Christ as his brothers and sisters. That we are alive and death has no hold on us. Sin has no hold on us. Not because of anything that we have done, but because Christ did it for us. Satan has no power over us. And even if he manipulates somebody on this earth to take us out, all we do is get an early trip to heaven. But until that time, we're here as light. We're here as the ones that he has called and anointed with his Holy Spirit to accomplish the work that Jesus was sent to do. To proclaim that there is light and life and hope, and only through Jesus Christ. And that there's a day coming when all of this will matter. John chapter 5, uh, back in our passage this morning, it says he's granted him, meaning Jesus, the right to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this because there's a time coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and, and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life those of us who are in salvation in Jesus, but those that have done wickedness to the resurrection of condemnation. There is a day coming where Jesus will judge. If you look at the, the picture of Him in Revelation sitting on the throne, uh, it's a different concept of Jesus walking around and, and healing the sick and the lame. But it is the same Jesus Christ. The perfect judge will be coming and judging those to condemnation or to life. It's a terrifying concept at times. There's a passage in, in Matthew uh, where it says that many on that day, uh, Jesus is talking, He's like, many on that day, that day of judgment, they'll come to Me and say, well, I did this in Your name, and I did this in Your name. And, and Jesus at that moment is going to say, I never knew You. We talked about this a little bit last week, that idea of building a false gospel and serving our concept of who Jesus is and saying, oh, I did this for you, but wait, that's not the real Jesus. But in this, there's hope, even in the face of judgment. Because the judge, the one that chooses condemnation, salvation, goat, sheep, the judge is the one who's called the light. The judge is the one who is the hope and life of man. The judge is the one that came down to bear his own sentence in your place. Not just, just so that you're forgiven. Not just so that your sins 
are washed away. That was accomplished, but it's so much more than that. And I think too often, Satan wants us to get to a point as a church, as Christians, where we just get to the point of my sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. No, I just need to hold on to the end. That is not the fullness of what Christ paid for. With His own blood, He paid to forgive us of our sins, to wash us clean, but then to adopt us and to give us life. Life eternal and life now. To make us light. To carry the Gospel. For us to be able to go and share this with others. The the truth that Jesus has set us free and can set them free as well. The, The truth that Satan is just simply a spiritual suicide bomber trying to take out people and he has no power over those who are in Jesus Christ. This is what we mean when we sing before, death has no hold on me. Satan has no hold on me. Because I am set free because of the blood of Christ. And then not only that, He calls us to then go and tread on scorpions. To tread on evil spirits. To do spiritual battle in this world. Not for our own souls, because our own souls have been purchased and are set free in Jesus, uh, but rather to point others to the light and to say here is the only place of refuge and forgiveness, hope, and life. Jesus did a lot of miracles when He was on this world. But the greatest was accomplished at the cross. The greatest is an eternal, lasting miracle where our souls are set from death to life. And we're called to live a life that is completely different because of that. Jesus says uh, in verse 24, John 5, Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but is passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live and live eternal. And we can take this passage and apply it to our own lives as well. Or truly I tell you, anyone who hears Jesus' word and believes Him who sent us, and Jesus is the one who sent us, they will not come under judgment, but pass from death to life. Do you catch that? As we continue the work and ministry of Jesus Christ and point others to them, they also are able to find this hope and this light. Father, we come before You this morning. I pray that you would guide us. This morning, all I had was this aspect of truth that hell is your creation to hold and punish the wicked, that it is not a place of power for Satan, that he is far weaker than he would have us to believe, uh, that you have rescued us from death into life, that you have adopted us as sons and daughters, And that you give us the ability 
to fight in this world where Satan is a spiritual suicide bomber just simply trying to take as many as with him as he can. And that you give us authority and your own power to do this work of ministry. Father, all I ask, all, all I can ask, I, I have nothing else to add to that. All I can ask is that you make it real to us. That you make this truth real to us. That we live each day as it is real and true. And that we are free from sin and death and alive in you. And Father, I pray if there are people in this room that do not have that freedom, that even now this day they respond to you. Because it's the only thing that is eternally significant in our time here on earth is if we follow you or not. So Lord, as we continue on, and as we go into worship to praise you for this truth, I pray that you would guide us as a church. That you would speak to us, Lord. If there's other things that need to come forth, that need to be said, that need to be sung, that you would guide us and lead us, Lord. We worship you for who you are. And you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go into this last set of songs, and I don't know how long it'll go, uh, let's worship. Let's praise that we're alive. I'm going to be in the back. Uh, Christian's also going to be in the back. And uh, if you feel like you have something for the church, would you, would you come back and share it with us? Uh, this Sunday is one of the Sundays that we consider to be called Spirit-led, and, and so we want to have a time uh, of where the Spirit just kind of leads us as a church. Um, and so we'll worship as the worship team is led. Um, and then if you, again, you feel like you have something, come see us in the back. Uh, and we'll just see where this goes. Uh, we'll have the announcements some point afterwards. Um, I'm going to stop talking now, and we'll just go on. <laughs>